0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello Ivy Church. Hello Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Jambo jambo. Karabuni kani Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So, we look at the book of Joel. Uh, It's in the Old Testament, you might want to find it. Do Do you know what your name means, by the way? you know what your name means? Okay. Um, I love the name Joel because it's the name of my son who's over there. There he is. Big up for Joel. Um, And we picked it though. We picked it for its meaning. And its meaning is, it means the Lord is God. That's what it means. The Lord is God. Uh, What a great thing to tell your son. What a great thing to tell your child. What a great. Thing for a child, a young person to grow up hearing about and knowing whatever happens, the Lord is God. Whatever's going on in the world, the Lord is still God. Um, whatever you go through, the Lord is God. Um, whenever somebody calls your name, the Lord is God. Um, whenever you write your name to be reminded after a date or whatever else it is, The Lord is God. Wherever you go, the Lord is God. Whatever has happened, is happening or is going to happen. God is still God. The Lord is still Lord. The Lord is God. That's why, I mean, it's just a great name. Um, 15 different people in the Bible were given the name Joel. But the most famous was this prophet who wrote this particular book um, in the Old Testament, and it's named after him. And it came at a time in history when Judah and Jerusalem unusually were not ruled by a king. Um, they, they were ruled by a terribly murderous queen by the name of Ataliah. And she was the daughter of Jezebel. And if you know anything about your Bible, and this was a pantomime, you're going to be shouting boo for over that because Jezebel was terrible. But then people forget that after her, Atalia came after her. And she was in many ways even worse. And she exterminated all rivals and the, the, the royal family, including most of her own children and grandchildren, because she wanted to take out that next generation. And, you know, I don't know where you're at with this, but I fully believe that there are spiritual powers at work in the world right now still. And these kind of spirits are still at work in the world. And uh, in the same way that a Jezebel spirit can come into a church and can cause all kinds of havoc and destruction and desolation in her wake, the spirit of Italia is one that goes after the next generation and wants to take out children and young people, so that they don't grow up to know the Lord. And um, and so she stopped the worship of the Lord taking place in the temple. She replaced that instead with a kind of confused, idolatrous false worship and sexual immorality and uh, false priests and lying prophets. And instead of the worship of Yahweh, she instituted that everybody should worship Baal. The God of the Canaanites. And that's why, actually, Joel never speaks about a king like most of the other prophets. But instead, he speaks to God's people here over three chapters. It's a short book. You can read it all yourself. But he uses five words that are used, actually, 102 times in the Bible to explain to them, when they're saying what's going on and what went on and what's going to go on, he talks about something that is is known as the day of the Lord. He says, if you want to know what has just happened... It was the day of the Lord. You want to know what's happening now? We're living in the day of the Lord. and You want to know what the future is? There's a future coming great day of the Lord that we need to be ready for. So he starts with the day of the Lord that had happened in the past. And it's the day of the Lord because it turns out whatever happens, God was somehow involved in that. Nothing just happened in the past. God has actually always been working in the nations and what they had just been through as a nation was a time of utter national catastrophe like they'd never seen and couldn't have dreamt of before. And what Joel wants to know is, will anybody look at that and ask the question, like, why? And, and what was God trying to teach us through these things? Or will we just sort of carry on regardless? What could we learn Where's the treasure we can pull out of the darkness? Because that's the only way you can redeem it. You know, Don't waste the crisis. See, nobody needed to tell them what had happened in the recent past because they didn't even need newspapers in those days to keep on repeating the same thing over and over. They saw its aftermath all around them when they looked in their entry pantries and when they, when they looked out at the world around them outside and they looked at the fields. They saw the aftermath. But... Again, rather than just going back to normal or waste the crisis, he said there's ways to be able to get something out of this, to find something out of what you lost. And how? How do we do that? Well, the prophet knew God was trying to tell them something. God was trying to show them something. And, and God had spoken to him about it, and he wanted to help them to be able to see it soon. Something had happened suddenly, the like of which they'd never seen before and could never have imagined, really. Joel 1 verse two, 1 and 2. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Bethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all you who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Rhetorical question. The answer is No. Never before in living memory. But now, everywhere they looked, they could see that they were just surrounded by the mess that was left behind by this this natural disaster. But, he says this, he's like, hear this. Something supernatural is going on too. Behind it all. Deuteronomy chapter 8. You can go there if you want to. It starts off with a list of things whereby God says, if you as my people will... Will follow me, will obey me, will do what I say, and not just what you think is right, and then want me to bless you anyway. If you will, then I will. That's the way it works. If you will, then I will. I will bless you. And he lists these incredible blessings. He doesn't have to do that, but just because he's good, he says, let, let me bless you by being obedient. It's like your obedience is going to open the gateway of my blessing. So so Please obey me and then I can bless you like I want to. And, and here's my commandments. And they're not even that hard. But, you know, they're the kind of things that actually we could go, okay, yeah, that's, that's reasonable. I can love God like that and I should love people like that. And he says, if you do that, you're going to be blessed. And he, he's like, really? lists all these categories and places where people are going to be blessed. It's like no way, you go, you, no way and nowhere will you escape this blessing. You're going to be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. You'll, you'll be blessed in the, in the fields. You'll be blessed. You'll multiply or flourish. You'll be protected. You'll be victorious over your enemies. The land, he says, is going to be blessed in every way, whatever, however you want to picture that. But then he gives the warning, as you read on, in the starkest and clearest terms of the entire opposite that comes, the judgment that comes upon a sinful and rebellious nation. If God's people decide, actually, we want to do what we want to do, and they disregard his law, and they fall into compromise or disobedience, then he says, I'm going to have to withdraw my hand of blessing upon you. And what you're going to get instead is curses, confusion, There'll be carcasses of dead animals everywhere. There'll be carbuncles breaking out all over your body. Like the kind of curses that struck Egypt and Pharaoh. They get detailed, the list of them. It's pretty horrible reading. Verse 38, then he says this: You will sow much in the seed in the field, you'll sow much seed in the field, but you will harvest little. Because locusts will devour it. It's one of the signs. Of a disobedient nation. And what happens to them? They're going to end up with futile labor. Everything that you'd been working for, everything you were hoping for, everything that you'd built up, it's going to be swept away. Now, we have lived through some momentous times, haven't we? You know, I I kind of, in some ways, think back through some of our Ivy Centrals because they're, you know, good markers of about, you know, months of. Of things happening you can kind of go well I remember when I remember the Ivy Central when this place was absolutely packed out just before we weren't allowed to meet at all some of you were there because something came in smaller than a locust something microscopic comes in and that tiny little thing changes the whole world You know, we've lived through some incredibly, as I say, momentous times. I can't think how else to describe them. I know they've not been great at times, but at least nobody can say it's been boring. You know, for me, I have to say, 2018 opened up, 2018 opened for me some of the worst times in my life. And then it was one thing after another, after another, after another. Anybody else know what I mean? Just to live through times when you feel like you're just getting through that, you're just getting over that, and then bang, another thing. One thing after another, after another. And then you're like, oh, thank goodness that's over." already comes in threes. After another, <laughs> after another. You know, I thought it was supposed to come in threes. Maybe that's not in the Bible. Do you remember? Do you remember those two really hot days in the summer? When, like, the papers went absolutely crazy. Who remembers the long, hot summer of 1976? Come on, admit it. Those of us, If you did, you'll remember it. One of my clearest memories as a child of that time for the whole summer, apart from it just being pretty glorious, to be honest with you, was, was that a holiday in New Brighton as a little child when suddenly the whole world went black. And that was because there was a swarm of ladybirds, Ladybirds came. We were, we, I was on holiday in New Brighton, and the car that we were in was covered. Literally, they said there were billions, over 23 billion ladybirds landed in Britain. Unforgettable. Horrible. Now, in, in Joel's days, it wasn't anything as harmless as ladybirds. It was locusts. And it was one thing after another. Verse 4, What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. You know, there are 20 species of locust. And Joel talks about this disaster that came, and there were like at least four different phases or stages of these species, it was like, who were coming one after another. The cutting locust, and that's really bad. And then after that, worse than that, is the swarming locust, and then after that, you've got the, the hopping locust, and nobody likes them. And then the worst of all, it does turn out the destructive, the destroying locust. Is, is the worst and, and it's like all the stuff that they'd expected everything that they'd hoped for all that they'd wanted and thought well if we carry on doing this we'll get this result they didn't everything they'd worked for everything they'd sown for everything that they believed is gone some of us know a little bit about what that feels like from recent years as you look back, something good that you'd planned, some hope or expectation, some way that you thought it would always be. It would always flourish, it would always go that way, because it had been in the past. For me, again, around that time, right after launch four years ago, was when the locust first started to bite for me. And started to strip away and cut things away. And I don't know what it means for you, but some people are still reeling because you've had one thing after another, after another, and you just don't feel like you've even had time to mourn properly before something else comes in and takes that away. And the danger is um, we could go through all of that and never invite even God in to help us, to say, how can I pull some treasure out of that? What can I do? Is it possible that you could do something, even from that, that would be like that Isaiah scripture says, that brings treasure out of the darkness? And I think the time before that tiny little enemy called COVID, as I say, was actually worse for me. But just as we were coming around, we started to see other huge effects of the world when, it's, when the world pressed stop. And then restart. And you know you can take the mask off and breathe again. Wow, that's great. But then what else have we had? Well, we've had George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. And then we've had Afghanistan. And then we had the heightened climate fears. And, and then we can, and through all that. Now, yes, you can meet. No, you can't meet. Go out and eat out to help out. Now, get in and shut up. And, you know... And, and, and we can't meet like this, so go online until you're back in person. And then when we come back in person, it's like, oh, where is everybody? And, um, and, and some people that you thought would have stayed didn't. And it's like, oh, oh, maybe they must have left. And then some of you have stayed and you've been so faithful and you found we've had some amazing people step up and serve more than ever before. And like unsung heroes. And, and wow, then there's more and more new people coming in. And I'm seeing that the people that I'm meeting who are coming in, they're not just coming in like with a consumer mentality of, oh, look after me and sort me out. They're actually coming because they've been through some stuff and they've been asking questions about God and what matters. And they've actually decided, I'm all in if I'm going to be in. I'm not just going to mess about with this. You know? Because it's like, so, I mean, for me, it's a picture of like a strimmer came over. All kinds of stuff that we had been meeting in, and the places where we've been, and the, you know, we've been meeting hundreds and hundreds of people meeting in various places and locations, and then and it's gone. And some, as I say, left and, and didn't say, and others left because we didn't go back. And I've had people say, Come to me, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, 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 not, I'm leaving because you, you didn't go back. And I'm like, The problem is back moved. back isn't there anymore something happened the world kept spinning like it or not back moved we can't just go back and and if you do try and get back all you're going to end up is get you're going to go get stuck in irrelevant nostalgia you're not going to you're not even going to meet with god there because he's not there anymore because he's moved on into where he's like the god of now he wants to meet with us now So again, the question is, well, what's he been trying to tell us through all of these things about himself and about ourselves and about the world and about the church? And so a plague of locusts, a plague of locusts, got a picture, just descends suddenly out of nowhere. It can last for months. The effects of it happen for years. There was one recently, you know, Pakistan just a couple of years ago. Terrible. Some swarms have been measured in their billions. Just imagine an insatiable cloud of jaws up to a 1,000 square kilometres in size, flying on the wind up to a 100 kilometres in a day and eating their body mass every day, each one in vegetation. Leaves, flowers, bark, fruit, stems, crops and non-crops, seeds, everything eviscerated. All that was green is gone. That's the picture. And that's what just happened in the past. So Joel says this in verse 15. And if they could learn from it, they'd see it didn't just happen in some way. This was the day of the Lord. This was the time when God was, had a message through it for the people if they would just see and hear and open up to what was going on. They wanted them to learn from it. It's a time of catastrophe. He says, it has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Pomegranate. Palm and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up, and gladness dries up from the children of man. It's like people are like now so sad. Does this say, is it, sorry, am I reading the, today's paper here? Is not the food cut off before our eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed shrivels, the storehouses are desolate, the granaries are torn down because the grain has dried up. How the beasts groan, the herds of cattle are perplexed because there's no pasture for them even the flocks of sheep suffer so that's what's gone on in the past but it doesn't just stay stuck in the catastrophe of the past because actually there's stuff going on in the future and God wants to speak into that too sorry not in in the future in the present you see this isn't just a word about the past this is a word for today and I believe it's a word for today for us because in the same way that after the locusts had come there was famine and economic fallout that led, that led to conflict. It took away the peace. They had lived through a day of the Lord. And now chapter 2, if you go to that, says they're living in another one. Because there's this inc- incredible invading army that is being talked about. That is, is invading from the north. I'm not necessarily tying this in to this war or that war, because there's always loads of wars going on in the world. But obviously, we're now in a time when I think conflicts are increasing in so many different nations and areas but here's what it was like to live in those days because he's looking have he had the locust? now he sees these armies that are coming and the conflict rising He is wildfire burns everything before this army and fire licks up everything in its wake before it arrives the country is like the garden of eden and when it leaves its death valley nothing escapes unscathed the invaders charge they climb barricades nothing stops them Each soldier does what he's told, disciplined, determined. They don't get in each other's way. Each one knows his job and does it. Undaunted and fearless, unswerving, unstoppable. They storm the cities, swarm its defences, loot the houses, break down the doors, smash the windows. They arrive like an earthquake and sweep through like a tornado. Sun and moon turn out their light, stars black out. God himself bellows in thunder as he commands his forces. Look at the size of that army and the strength of those who obey him. God's judgment day, great and terrible. Who can possibly survive? Hang on. I mean, that's the message, but read it in any other version. He says, actually, in some way, this army and this conflict, again, it's not just happening. God's doing something. God's God's active in all of that in some way, and he's wanting to speak, and he's speaking to Joel because his ears are open and his hearts are open. His heart open, not hardened, and it's like, what did you say, Joel? This is the day of the Lord. Whose army did you say it is? That he's saying God's somehow working, even through these things, doing what? Well, what if He's allowing the things that shake us up, in order to wake us up? C.S. Lewis famously said in his book, "The Problem of Pain," God whispers to us in our pleasures. Speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, it's like God tried I tried that. You didn't listen. So I tried that. You were too busy. Spoke in this way. You didn't want to know. How's pain feel? Is that going to wake you up? Is that the way, only way I can speak to you? So he says in chapter one, Hear this, hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land. And then he goes in verse five, "'Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. "'Blow the trumpet, sound the alarm.'" And he's describing how everybody's so fearful and, and sad about what's happened. And he says, the farmers weep, the vinedressers wail. They're wailing about their losses. They're looking at what they've lost and they see the nation in turmoil. But when he speaks to his people, not just to the nation, they're weeping for something different, it turns out. They're not just weeping, yeah, they're weeping for what everybody else weeps about too, because it happens to them, We're not, they're not exempt from that. But there's something else going on that he says, my people are weeping over something else in the middle of all of this. They're weeping about how far the nation has drifted from God. You remember Joel, as I say, is living in the most intense times of spiritual warfare when Queen Ataliah is corrupting the young generation or killing them off. Righteousness was renounced. Baal was embraced. Prophetic voices had their throats cut or their necks stretched. It was a dreadful time to say, I'm one of God's people. It took incredible courage to not just go with the flow be part of a remnant who would stand up and say you know what God still speaks and God is holy and this is his word to do so was unpopular to say the least risky it called for courage but those who actually love the Lord find themselves with no choice chapter 1 verse 9 says this the priests mourn the ministers of the Lord they feel this most deeply because why they care about the Lord." They care about the house of the Lord. They weep because this is a day when on their watch, the fires of worship have burnt down so low to embers and his name and his glory have been dragged through the door or forgotten. On their watch, and they look at what once was and they compare it with what's going on now and what's left, and they think how far people have moved away from God's laws and His ways, and how deep they've fallen into sin and idolatry and injustice and pride. And and so many people who said that they once belonged to the Lord have raised a white flag in in surrender to not just to Ataliah, but to the the, the principalities and the powers and in the culture. And Joel here's the problem for Joel you see he's got no choice but to remember his name what's his name he's got he knows every time he says it no matter what the Lord is God so in the end it's change your name or live up to it Christian Christian Change your name, or live up to it. The Lord is still God. So Joel doesn't look back, or just look around; he looks forward. How often do we find ourselves surrounded by people who keep talking about some time in the past when it was better, and how do we get back there? And they get stuck there because they have a bigger past mindset, or they can see no way out of the problems. Of the present. So when you start to speak differently, when you start to dream or speak about how tomorrow actually, God can still do miracles and the Lord is still God and he could still do something bigger and he could still do something better. While they're talking about, well, how awful it it was and how terrible it is, and you're looking in faith at a bigger future, that's going to conflict with their viewpoint. They're going to want to hold you back from that. They want to keep you where they are. It's like crabs in a bucket. You're trying to climb out there holding on. Forward or back? That's the choice. By the way, history's moving forward. History's always moving forward while you wait to make your mind up. Joel proclaimed, yesterday, today and forever, no matter what, no matter who is on any earthly thrones, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. There'd been a plague of locusts. There'd been economic crisis. It turns out in the time there were droughts. Now there's looming conflicts. What do they do? What do we do? What do we do when it all seems to be torn apart? Well, here's what he says. Tear your hearts. Tear your hearts and not your garments. The NIV says, rend your heart and not your garments. People in those days, if you were wanting to show how upset you were, you'd grab your clothes and go, Bruh! You know the high priest did it when when uh, when he heard about Jesus saying that he was a son of God. He tore his garments, and it was like a sign of how angry and cross I am. And all. But, but Joel says, you know what? I'm not looking for some God's not looking for some religious show. He's not looking. He's not. He wants reality. So don't just mess about with the outside. Let God do something on the inside. Let him tear your heart so he can restore it again. The Lord says, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief. Tear your heart instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not punish. You know, from out of this, you could get this picture of God's like some grumpy God looking to throw lightning at people. But you say, no, in all of this, God's just saying, well, look, I sent you this and I sent you that, and he was to wait, shake you up and wake you up, so you'd come to me. Will he come to me? And then this, I mean, what does that involve? It involves me not asking, what have they done? You know, what did the government do or not do and what are they doing and what did this people do? Or It's like, what did I do? What have I done? What have I done, Lord? What didn't I do? And that isn't so that God wants to condemn me, but he can't forgive what I won't confess. He can't put it right if I never thought it was wrong. If I keep saying it was all right, how can he put it right? So he says in another translation, even now, even now, while you think it's too late, it's not too late. You can come back, you can be forgiven because of the one who bled for your sins. See, we've got that New Testament promise. But the Lord has always been God and He's always been good. And it isn't like in the Old Testament, some grumpy, grumpy God, because, you know, if you remember that phrase that He uses there, it's used time and time again of the Lord to describe Himself. He used it at the time when Moses had literally just broken all of the commandments. Do you remember that? He's got the commandments on some, on some, some stones and tablets, and then talk about breaking them, He smashes them to pieces because He's so angry. You know? And then what does God do? Let me write you 10 more. (laughs) You know, you broke all 10. Let's have another go. You know, give them to me. And then he does it. And then he says, his glory passed before Moses. And what's his glory? His glory is his love and his compassion because the Lord, his name is proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. We can come to a God like that in times of catastrophe, in times of calamity. We can come to him with our our conflicts. We can come to him with our true confessions. And that's why Joel just says, tear your heart and then put it in his hands. Just look what's happened and, and do the work. Don't just pass it on. Don't just, look, don't just scroll on to the next thing on your news thing. Look at what happened. Look what is happening and learn the lessons. Ask yourself, what has this taught me about God? What's this last season we've been through? We're we wasting it. I think we're wasting it. I think I'm wasting it. Sometimes. What's this actually taught me about God? What's this taught me about myself? What's God been trying to tell me about myself that I've not been wanting to hear? What's this, what's, what's this taught me about the world? What's this told me about, about the church? and What the church is going to be like in the future? See, all those questions, they're really repentance questions. And they, when they lead us to think, what can we do differently in the future than what we did in the past? And the great news with this is, actually, God has got a better future. He's got a great, better future for all those things, if we will rend our hearts. You know, we could look at what was, and I can look around sometimes and, and think, well, we used to meet in all those different places, and, and, uh, and then we had to go online. I don't think we had to. We chose to, and it's been incredible. And it, what it's done is it's raised our game, and we've connected with people we never connected with before in ways that we never did. And the fact that we've ended up having to, some people have gone and some people have come. And I love, I really love a lot of the people who've come. I think I'm so pleased. That they've come and joined us and a part of this. God's done amazing things, but he always does. It makes you abundantly more of everything we can ask or imagine. If we believe him and if we'll have a go. You know, and some of these things, now, that you, I mean, you can come to this church and have no idea about the impact and the reach of this church by coming on here on a Sunday morning or whenever, occasionally. And for us to be able to be at the centre of this thing and be in something like launch, is huge. Other churches recognise that in a way this church just never does. Very rarely does. And, um, and you know, so it just recently, even through this, we're like, we, we, we developed a thing called the Discipleship Pathway. You may have heard about it if you've come in here. We've, we changed the church around to do with how we are church in the different ways. And then from that, we developed a course. Tim and Steve done a brilliant job of helping us to be able to do that. And then something happened whereby we had the opportunity. We do a thing that we started in COVID called Right Now Media. Some of you, if you're in a grow group, You you know that we, we don't just do what we used to do and let's have our Bible studies. We invite Grow Group leaders to do brilliant Bible studies with amazing world teachers who then come and help us to be able to go deeper than it would be if it was just me trying to write Bible studies every week. And then from that, we ended up with an opportunity that led to this. So we'll watch it. i Anthony Delaney and I lead Ivy Church here in my hometown where I used to be a cop. Our motto is, we do things differently here. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus Christ told three of his most famous parables back to back to show us from the perspective of God the Father that everybody is lost and loved. What if we could track the biblical pathway of how you go from lost and alone to found and at home in the Father's love, then partner with his cosmic plan to redeem this broken and fearful world? such ordinary people win their perilous world for Christ in his power? And what's stopping it happening again right here if we'd courageously restart and re-engineer church as a disciple-making movement? We call it the Discipleship Pathway, and I'm excited to guide you on this field-tested spiritual journey where people discover the love of Jesus for themselves are delivered into the freedom of that new life so they gladly devote themselves to the Lord and one another day by day. You will develop your God-given potential and then go as the Holy Spirit deploys you to transform your world in Jesus' name. Pretty cool isn't it I don't think we wouldn't we, we learn we learned that through the hard stuff God gave us that all our ideas didn't come in some like oh let's go away and have a spa day and pray and seek the Lord that you learn you learn when you're on your knees and you're in tears and you're like, God, what we're doing isn't working. And then he says, "We'll try this. And you're like, I'm not sure that'll work. And then he shows you and he works it. That's what he does. Because there's this incredible promise of God. See, first of all, God, first of all, says to us, everything that's been taken, I'm going to, first of all, I can give you what you need to start again. You might, it might not be everything immediately you first had, but I'm going to give you enough so that you can start again. You can always start again. Chapter two, verses 18 says, then the Lord was jealous for his people. This is after they prayed, after they'd fasted, after they repented. The Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I'm sending you grain, new wine and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Do not be afraid, be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid. The pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches it's like something's starting to grow be glad people of Zion rejoice in the Lord your God for he's given you the autumn rains because he's faithful he sends you abundant showers both autumn and spring rains as before the threshing floors will be filled with grain the vats will overflow with new wine and oil is anybody getting excited about what God can do see I think God's moving right now in so many ways, in, in different places and, and in churches, he, he's getting, people are like getting excited again about what God's going to do. And, and he, he loves his people. And he, he, did, he gives us what we need to start again. He gives you another seed, maybe, another idea, another chance, another go. You know, when it's, it feels like everything's been taken away, and it's like, well, I wish I could have that again. He says, I'll give you that. I can do a miracle with that if you'll sow it. You know the guy from Manchester United who I asked for the possibility of being able to do that I know him a bit and he's got some influence there literally when he was opening it up and showing us round in there he said I can't believe we've got permission to do this I, I, can't, I can't believe it and I said well it's amazing and he says yeah and he's a Christian he says it's a God thing I said I know I said can you put the floodlights on then and he went okay because God can do amazing things. He's compassionate, he's gracious and rich in love. And then he gives us one of the most precious promises in the whole Bible here in verse 25. I will repay you for the years, the locust." has eaten the great locust and the young locust the other locust and the locust swarm my great army that i sent among you you will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the lord your god who has worked wonders for you never again will my people be ashamed see i don't know what those words mean to you but i read them and i'm like wow if the devil could do that what can god do How can God repay? I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Now, I don't know how it'll work out, but you know, you look, you think, all that time, all that effort, all that energy, all that hope, all that prayer, all that money, all that progress, and then the locust came. Some of you know what that is. All that, you know, hurt, and, and yet what this tells me, first of all, God saw every tear. Everything that people said, everything that happened, everything that that I got wrong, everything that they got wrong, everything that you planned that didn't work out, everything you gained that was stolen by the swarm, everything you worked so hard for that seems to just be gobbled all up. But listen, don't just stand there looking at an empty field. Lament, mourn, weep. That's all there. It's all valid. And then don't just look at the present... And be fearful, but look to the future and believe. You know, God is saying, come back to me and I'll give you what you need to start again. And then finally, even better than that. See, I've got no idea how he'll do that, by the way. How he will repay and restore, but you can take that to the Lord as a promise. Somehow, there's a harvest coming. Someday there's payback. There used to be an old um, Pentecostal hymn he used to sing. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Anybody know it? Well, I went to the enemy. No. (laughs) I took back what he stole from me. (laughs) Yes. So how will it happen? Not by might. Not by power. By my spirit, say the Lord. So Joel looked prophetically forward 750 years or so to a day of the Lord that we now look back on 2,000 years ago because his future is our past that we can now live in in the present reality. And so he saw what Peter saw on the day of Pentecost when the church first got started. God sends his Holy Spirit That's how this happens. How can you restore? How can you repay? How can the future be better and greater and not just smaller and weaker and worse? Joel 2.28, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. That's everybody here by the way. That's not all the people he's talking about. This is what God wants for you. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Which days? These days, days, our days. We're living in a day of the Lord. This is the day of the Lord. It's the day of the Holy Spirit. We have times, as Tim said, when the Holy Spirit is now being poured out in greater and greater measure, and there is no limit to that. And it's to everyone. And then he says this, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Will be saved. That's revival. That's revival. That's, that's actually the future plan that the Lord has got. You say, what's the future plan for the church? God wants the church to live in revival. He wants us to recognise the Holy Spirit is being poured out on me and through me and everywhere I go so that people can be saved and I will prophesy and bring a better word. And when I do that, things are going to change all around me. So let's make our future plans based upon that promise. The God, he who supplies seed to the sower will also increase your seed. And the spirit of the Lord is being poured out today upon you, upon sons and daughters. Please stand and we can dream again. And, and just say to the Lord, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to get stuck in the past and invite him into the pain of that and he keep on working in that and say I don't want to be stuck in the fears of the present either do not fear what they fear the Lord says how many times is it saying scripture do not fear, do not fear, do not fear you're commanded not to fear and it's all about the diet you know if you spend as I said recently like 90% of your time looking at the news when did you last come away from the news and go oh I'm really glad I watched that Oh, hey, oh, hey, say to my wife, oh, Zoe, you got to watch the news. It's awesome. <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Lord, let's just uh, open ourselves as a posture to him. And I know it's getting late, but it's the day of the Lord. <laughs> Lord, we are living in your day. And in a day when the Holy Spirit is being poured out. So pour out yourself upon me, I pray. Restore, restore, repay, renew. And I just see the Lord bringing you and offering you a seed. Just a little seed. Put your hands out and just, and if you, just to say, Lord, I'll take that. Even if it's, you know, faith as small as a mustard seed, it's what you put it in. Because you're putting that that in, with confidence and faith in the Lord, and that's what unlocks the miracles. That's what unlocks the the things we could never dream, ask or imagine. That's what, for me, as I say, when I look at that video and the right now media thing, and think that's going to be something that is going to be blessing people, all around the world, from this little place. God's going to do. You know, it's a seed that God is growing and watering. And, and, and I'm, Lord, I'm so amazed. And I thank you, Lord, for this church and for this team. We can be a seedbed. We can be a place where you can... You, look, please let us be trustworthy with the things that you give to us. And Lord, some of those seeds may have to be watered with tears. But those who sow in tears will reap with joy. Just talk to the Lord about that. Some of this has been him saying, I, want to, I need to break up the, fa- the hard ground, the fallow ground, so I can put something new in you. And he's been doing it. So well done for being here. I feel that as well for some people. Just well done for still being here. still being here tonight and willing to receive a seed you're in the right place for that some people watching online you could have could have given up you could have checked out you could have packed in many did many have but the Lord knows that you love him and he sees that and he will reward and he will repay and he will restore and he will renew and he will do What was it the locust took away? Can you trust that to him? One thing after another. Lord, that's where we've been, but I pray now we would live in a day of the Lord that is a different kind of one thing after another. That somehow you open up the, the blessings that come from us just trying our best to be obedient to you but at the same time recognising Lord you are gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and rich in love and we just need your grace and while you're standing there if you need healing Physical healing, emotional healing, mental, spiritual. Just raise a hand. Just raise a hand. There's a sign like, "Yeah, I, I need, I need something from the Lord tonight. I need Him to touch me. I need Him to, to rest. if you know, you need the Lord to restore something that the locusts have taken away." And in the name of Jesus. I release restoration in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I, re- I release healing in the name of Jesus. And where, where something, something was dead come to life, something that was stolen be repaid, something that was fractured be broken, or be healed, something that was, that was if you felt was useless and gone be resurrected. In the power of the Holy Spirit. As the Spirit is now being poured out upon you. Because why do you qualify? You're a son. You're a daughter. Let the water of your Holy Spirit, the autumn and the spring rains fall upon you. And I pray, Lord, tonight would be. You know, this is the Jewish New Year tonight. It starts this evening. It's the New Year. Biblical New Year. Happy New Year. I, I prophesy for, for you a blessed new year as we 're in this season where we 're looking at how to be blessed in every season. May you be blessed in every season. may you be blessed when you come in and go out. may you be be blessed in the city and in the country may, may you be blessed when you go to sleep and when you arise. May you be blessed in your workplace may you be blessed in your relationships may you be blessed in your, your companionship and your friendship with others. May you be, be blessed and be a blessing wherever you go. May you be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflow. May you be a channel of his peace and his blessing and his life and his hope. May you know all of this can happen because as you speak it out, you're going to see it happen. As you, as you, as you speak these things out, words of blessing and not curses, you're going to see that coming back to you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word that speaks a better word over my life and the life of every person here now. And we receive your words and we hold on to them and we add faith to them so they come alive in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Shall we carry on just one more song as the band come up? And it echoes something of what we've been saying about the lord so keep the worship on keep the connection on don't kind of go from that into oh now we're singing it's no this flows out of that this is like the water coming and, and 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 watering the word so the seed develops you know you don't just put the seed in and then walk away and and so much of what's been happening i just feel the lord has been preparing the ground in us breaking up ground for something new, the new thing that he's doing. And so we we pray, Lord, that as you are gracious, as you are compassionate, we will receive that and know it and see what, what comes from just believing in the God of restoration and miracles. Hi, I'm Anthony Delaney. I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church Do check out the website, click on a few buttons, look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with. And why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations? Join a grow group, do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that Christians believe. Or if you've got anything we can pray about, be in touch, press the contact button so that you can email us, let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us.